0: The scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God Accept this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: I always begin when I come to a church by firstly saying thank you for inviting me. For a couple of reasons at Broadmoor. One is I've been here, what, five or six times in the last few years, so I really don't feel like I'm encountering strangers on a Sunday morning when I come to Broadmoor. It's almost like reconnecting with old friends, and some of us are even remembering each other's names, which is pretty spectacular when you think we only see each other once or twice a year. So I feel like when I get invited to come to Broadmoor, I'm going to see some old friends, and that makes me feel good, so thank you. Uh, But secondly... uh, See, if you understand this, I love to preach. And when you invite me to do something I love to do, it's not a hardship. Thank you for the privilege of coming to your church and preaching because I enjoy it. And you're really allowing me something that I find very enjoyable. So so I start off this morning with that that expression of thank you. Uh, Secondly, for those that don't know me, so we can get this going here. Check. We're not going to go there. uh, I'm working hard. Let's. I'll let you do it. Okay. So be be awake in the sound booth. Don't slide two, please. Okay. For those that know a little bit about me, and those that don't know much about me at all, let's go to slide two. Um, I was a pastor for 35 years, and I retired a few years ago. And after a year of doing nothing, I found out that I had gas. And you, some smile, am I being funny? No, I had gas. I needed to do something. My tummy was troubling me. I needed to use the gifts that God gave me. So I began a second career. I serve as kind of the senior leader of a large, low-cost, affordable housing society in Vancouver called Hope Hill. And it's a lovely place. It's targeted for seniors who have no money and struggle to be able to afford to live in Vancouver. We have 400 people there in the community. Uh, 300 of them are independent living, go-go seniors, who have come to a stage in their life when, because they're not working, and they don't have a million-dollar house to sell and live on, or a million-dollar RSP to exist on, they simply have their CPP or their OAS or their Guaranteed Income Supplement. How do you afford to live in Vancouver? The average person living with us is a go-go senior, and they make $24,000 a year. That's all they make. We provide them a lovely, safe, clean, modest studio apartment or one-bedroom apartment for 30% of their monthly income. So if you're making $2,000 a month, your rent is $650. If you're making $3,000 a month, your rent is thousand dollars a month so we base it on their ability to pay and we have costs we're not-for-profit we can't lose money so we can't give it away but we don't look at what will the market get we look at how much does it cost for us to provide this so that's the attitude we live with we have 300 independent living and about a hundred assisted living people and they live on a different scale and I could talk about that later but it's a lovely thing not only is the cost fixed certainty but there's a sense of community because we own three blocks of Vancouver real estate so people live in kind of a village or campus Uh, what we found is and I think I shared this with you recently is the demand for what we're providing is so demanding, we have a three-year waiting list for people to get in. And so the board has begun a very ambitious plan over the next 10 years to build three more residential buildings, three more. The first one is 64 units, and it'll be available starting in January, a year from now. Uh, 64 units of studios and one bedrooms, and it's designed to help moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunties, uncles, people that are very tender and real, who are losing, help them to live affordably. And So just to be aware of that, after that, in two years' time, we have planned for an 80-unit building, and then four years after, they plan planned for a 100-unit building. So there's very ambitious plans. I have a very, very thrilling thing to tell you, because we are a not-for-profit, we're a charity, and part of what we do is fundraise. And uh, this first building, we tried to raise $2.6 million to help cover the costs. And we have raised $2.3 million already for it, which is astounding. One of the gifts was for half of that. Somebody gave us a lot of money. But having said that, somebody here in this congregation when I was here last year and talked about it gave us a very significant gift, and we appreciate that. So if you want to make a charitable gift, we could do that and look after you that way. I just appreciate the way in which God has provided from so many different directions. Um, We are putting on a fundraising banquet. At the end of February, because it's fundraising, it's not free. If you want to talk about it, I could show it to you. There's no obligation or expectation that it would be up at the Italian Cultural Center. And the guest speaker is uh, Arthur Griffiths from the Vancouver Canucks. So it could be a fun evening, and we're hoping to make a lot of new friends that night. So, Anyway, enough said about that. Let's see if I can do this here. Yay, it worked. Um, I didn't come here to give an infomercial today. I came to bring a message from God's Word. And I think it's really important that we remind ourselves of that. Two minutes for infomercial, 28 minutes for God's Word. That's how you break it down. We're not selling anything here today. All right. I want to talk today, the sermon title is, Have You Thanked Anyone Lately? And I'm not saying, are you thankful, meaning your attitude or your inner opinion. I'm literally talking about, have you said thank you to anyone lately? I think there's a bit of a famine in the land lately. People have stopped saying thank you. Hmm. Uh, It didn't just come out of today, though. I think it's been around for a while. In this story that was read for us a few minutes ago, um, Jesus encounters someone or a group of people, and the crux of the matter is they didn't, most of them didn't say thank you. For those that need to kind of set it up, Jesus is at a point in his earthly ministry where he's gotten the realization it's time to go to Jerusalem, because an appointment there with Calvary. Nothing Jesus does is accidental. In fact, his whole earthly ministry was with intentionality. And so there came a point in the time in his three years of serious public leadership where he says, okay, it's time to start turning. I've got to get to Jerusalem. But if you read the story today, it says that he didn't take the most direct route. In fact, he went up through Samaria, in the backside of Galilee. You're kind of puzzled by that. It would be like me saying to you, I need to get to Vancouver today. Oh, yeah, no problem. I think I don't like that tunnel. Oh, I think I'm going to go down to the Alex Fraser Bridge and circle my way around. And I'm going to go up to New West and I'm going to down Marine Drive. And you'll say, oh, okay. That'll work. You can get to Vancouver that way. It's kind of the long way around. And I said, yeah, I I don't want to go through the tunnel. Okay. Um, That's what Jesus is doing. He's going a very indirect route. And while he's going on this route, he comes by a village. And he meets these ten individuals standing outside the village who the scripture identifies as suffering from leprosy. Uh, some of you know what that is. For those that don't, it was a debilitating disease that was often fatal, no, not always fatal. It's a skin disease or a muscular disease where your, your external extremities no longer feel pain, no longer feel tingling, uh, neuropathy, some may talk about it today. And as your nerves deteriorate at your extremities, you can sometimes cut yourself and not even realize it. You can burn yourself without even realizing it. You can bang into something without even realizing it. And so what happened in leprosy is people began to beat themselves to death. Uh, Their nose would begin to fall. Their chin would begin to sag. Their fingers would begin to crumble away. And because of the inability to cure it and the transmissibility of it, people who were identified as having leprosy were ejected from their community to go live away. They could live together, but they could not live with healthy people. And so Jesus encounters a small little community of lepers. And they call out to him, Son of God, recognizing him, he goes, have mercy, help us. In their sickness, they know who to turn to. They turn to God. And the scripture tells us that he heals them. And they are stunned because they immediately see the recovery in their bodies. And they just, and he says, go tell the priest, show people what you did, take care of business, get back to work, go back to your community, re-engage with life. And they scoot off. But of the ten, something happens because one comes back to him and verbally says, thank you. Jesus is stunned that nine out of ten people didn't say thank you. There's a major part in this story and a minor part. Let's look at the major part first, shall we? Jesus heals ten people. And according to verse 17, he asks when the one comes Like, wait a minute here, can you imagine just saying, let me do the math here again. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, eight, Let me get again. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And he says, we're all 10 healed. Yeah. And you're the only one here. Yeah. Where's the other nine? And he's puzzled. I think even disappointed. Nine out of 10. Didn't say thank you. 9 out of 10 people didn't say thank you. We think of that as a story from 2,000 years ago. It's not a parable. It's a factual historical incident. Jesus talked to these people. 9 out of 10 didn't say thank you. Well, that was terrible then, isn't it? Yeah. And the truth is, that's not just then, though. I wonder if there's even vestiges of that same thing that happens today. For instance, how about you in your life journey? I have a dear friend. She's a grandmother. Anybody here a grandmother? Anybody want to just admit to that? You you can admit that's a good thing. And this year for Christmas, she's young, she's only 75. (laughs) She had her two children, their spouses, and uh, nine grandchildren in for Christmas dinner. She had been looking forward to it for weeks on end. She had got out and bought the turkey. She put together all of the scrumptious parts of the meal. She got up early on Christmas Day, made the Christmas dinner. The kids, the grandkids came over, did the Christmas unwrappings, all that kind of thing. Sat down at 4 o'clock and had a scrumptious thank uh, Christmas turkey meal. Uh, I phoned her the next day to say, how was your family gathering yesterday? She says, I'm exhausted. I said, oh, I can understand that. And she says, I'm not doing that again. And I said, really? Why? He says, not one thanked me for Christmas dinner. I thought one out of ten would. (laughs) Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you've done something for somebody and you weren't really doing it to be stroked by them, but it would be kind of nice for them to say thank you. You've gone out of your way to be helpful to a situation. And again, like I say, you're not hoping that they would hug you for it. But in your mind, you're thinking, just just the polite would be good. Uh, Or let me go another way. And this is where it gets convicting. Have people done things for you that you didn't acknowledge by saying thank you? the crux question the big major point is is people saying thank you and it doesn't just happen it 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 happens even today it's fascinating that sometimes people say thank you Um, i've started riding the bus lately anybody here ride the bus okay um i've noticed in vancouver and maybe you would say oh yeah that happens in here in richmond as well but a lot of the people, and I would say a third, maybe a quarter, maybe only 20%, but a fair number of people, when they get off the back end of the bus, they yell out to the front of the bus, thank you. And that caught me off guard. Where did they learn to do that? Say thank you to the bus driver. I thought it was kind of cool. And now when I hear it, I kind of smile and I appreciate it and recognize it for what it is. Somebody has provided a service for them, brought them safely to their destination. It just seems totally logical to say thank you. And the reason why it surprised me, I, I lived for oh, 20 years. I was pastoring a church in Winnipeg, and I rode the bus. Nobody in Winnipeg says thank you to their bus driver, okay? <laughs> Maybe it's too cold. I don't know, kind of thing. About and before that, I was growing up in northern Ontario, a small town. We didn't have buses. So I don't know what people would say on a bus there. We don't have them. But I came to Vancouver, and I heard this tradition. I did a little research on it. Evidently, they do it in England as well. It's not totally unique to Vancouver, but there are places around the world. So what I'm, where I'm getting at that is that people can say thank you. It's not like it's an impossible phrase for people to use. People have learned to do it. But they often don't. And I thought to myself, why don't people say thank you? Why don't people say thank you? A lot of a couple reasons. Sometimes, sometimes we we and I'm putting four fingers towards myself here. Sometimes we don't because we just forgot. Oops, sorry. Yeah, I should have. We raised three daughters. And probably you did the same thing with your children. Do you remember when they were little and somebody would give them something? You'd say to your daughter or to your son, say, thank you. And your child, who had no context, would say, thank you. It was charming, but it was appropriate. It was the polite thing to do. Uh, Probably there's been times in your life, maybe I'm I'm old-fashioned here, but when, when you got married, the bride would always send thank you notes to people who gave a gift. And it was expected that you'd go to a wedding ceremony and two or three weeks later, two or three weeks later, there'd be a little card in your mail from the bride or the groom or together and they would say, thank you for the toaster or thank you for the kitchen utensils or thank you for the tea towels. And it was just polite. You would say thank you. There was a time when people said thank you. Even today, I have in my desk drawer a constant supply of thank you cards and when somebody does something, it's just in me, but I pull out a card and in two or three lines. I'll send out a thank you card. And sometimes people don't do that, and I suggest you, one of the reasons is because we forgot. Oops, sorry. And I'm going to put a label. Don't be impolite. Be polite. Part of being polite is saying thank you, saying thank you, showing it out. But sometimes it's deeper than that. And this is where it really starts to rub or irritate. Some people don't say thank you. And again, there may be four fingers pointing backwards here because they don't really see it as necessary. It's not necessary. So that server at Starbucks, well, they get paid. Why would I need to say thank you? They get paid. They're just doing their job. Or the person at work who's an employee, well, pff, I give them a paycheck every two weeks. What else do they need kind of thing? Oh. Huh. Or your boss, well, he's the boss or she's the boss. She makes the big check. Why would I say anything to her or to him? Why would I bother saying thank you when they gave me a Christmas bonus?
0: Well,
1: or here's where it gets really close. Pfft. Yeah, pff, Why would I say thank you? He's my dad. It's his job to provide me a room to live in. It's his job to provide food on the table. Why would I say thank you to somebody just doing their job kind of thing? Um, be careful on that one. Because sometimes, though they don't seek it, people look for it. And when they don't hear thank you, it can cause some real harm. Because when you don't say thank you, they sometimes say to themselves, gee, I guess they didn't appreciate it. Or, gee, I guess it wasn't as good as I thought it was. There must have been something wrong with it. Or, even when it gets down personal, I guess they don't value me. It's one of those weird things. The sin of ingratitude or the behavior of ingratitude doesn't really hurt you. It hurts the person that it didn't get to. It hurts them more than it hurts you. And what happens is a wedge gets driven in where they don't feel like you appreciate them. And if they feel like you don't appreciate them, they don't feel appreciated. And eventually it begins to tumble and at times dig deeper. And before too long, there's a real erosion of relationship. And you think, all because I didn't say thank you. Yeah. And the truth is, when you say thank you, it feeds a relationship. And when you don't say thank you, it strangles a relationship. Um, there aren't many teenagers here today, but I'm, I'm going to say this, so hopefully you won't judge me, and if I, if I offend, I apologize in advance, okay? Do you ever notice how teenagers expect a lot from mom and dad? They just, and they get prickly when they don't get it kind of thing. And one of the big things they want is freedom. Like, dad, you don't trust me. I raised three daughters, so I speak from experience. And I'm going to let all the teenagers in the room in on a secret. If you say thank you to your mom and dad, well, Why would I say thank you? It's his job to provide a room. It's his job to provide meals. It's his job to provide a lot. If you say thank you for the obvious, it's amazing how much more flexible he is in the unobvious. Appreciated people are easier to get along with than unappreciated people. And if you want to have a relationship with people, don't just smile at them. Say thank you to them. And let me drill down even a little deeper here. That's kind of where we went to earlier today. I'm not suggesting that God is hurt or even that God is angry. But when we don't say thank you to God, I wonder what God thinks about us. This story today is an example of that. When Jesus encounters ten lepers, heals all ten, and only one comes back to say thank you, Jesus is perplexed. Bewildered? Disappointed? Like, doesn't it seem to be reasonable that if you're recipient of something amazing from God, you would say thank you to God for what He has given you? It, you just begin to get the pee back in the hole here. Something's wrong with the story. James, the brother of Jesus, says that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. And the stuff that you and I have in life, and I so appreciated where we went a moment ago, things that we enlisted, we'd say, thank you, God, for, well, good health. I'm, I live in Canada. We have a good health system. Thank you, God, for good health. You have a warm house. Well, of course. I paid my heating bill last month. They didn't shut the power off. There are people today that don't have a warm house. Thank you, God, for a warm house. And the healthiest, brightest, most stable, spiritually rich people realize that they say thank you to God for everything. And they say it. Oops, sorry. Or why should They recognize it and they verbalize it to God. So what I want to say today, and here's my little assignment for you. Here's my assignment for you. This week, could you find three people to say thank you to? Okay. One of them is in the church. There are people here doing all kinds of things as service, as ministry, voluntarily. They're not looking to be stroked to be acknowledged once in a while and so my challenge to Broadmoor as a church family is somebody in this church who should hear you say thank you to them when you see what they do, when you experience what they give when you're the recipient of their ministry secondly there's three I want you to do who in your family needs to hear you say thank you to them um, Maybe it's like that grandma that put on Christmas dinner. You think, oops, sorry. It's never too late to say thank you. It might even be somebody who 20, 30, 40 years ago brought you through what you went through, and you think, I need to say thank you again. I need to remind them of their help to me at that time. In your family. And then thirdly, somebody in your church, somebody in your family, and this is the challenge... Somebody not in your church, somebody in the community. Maybe you work at a place and talk about strange behavior. What would happen if you went to someone whom you work with and acknowledged what they did by saying, Thank you for doing that? What would happen if you went to your boss and said, Thank you for the way you provide good leadership to our team? What would happen if you met a customer? And they paid you or they gave you something and you said, thank you. Not just, mm-hmm, of course, it was due today. See what I'm getting at is when we say thank you to people, it builds into that relationship. And so that's my, my challenge. There's a, a minor point in our, in our study today that I want to move on to, which... Uh oh, Sorry. There's a minor point in the story. Remember the major point I said was this crux issue of saying thank you? And it ultimately isn't just human, it's heavenly, it's divine. Saying thank you is part of a healthy, grounded, um, well-off spiritual journey. But there's a minor point in this story which is just as powerful when you hear the minor chord. Some of you are musicians, you can appreciate this. One of them, this is verse 15 through 18, he was a Samaritan, came back to Jesus, he asked, Jesus asked the question, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And if you read the Bible and kind of pay attention to the actual words, there were ten of them, and one of them, the Scripture says, was a Samaritan. Probably, you know, that, that differentiates that person from all the others. Uh, they were an area of the country that probably six, 700 years earlier had kind of had a rebellion, and they'd broken away from the mainstream, and they'd actually adopted some theology that was pretty pitted, and they intermarried, and they became kind of like a disrespectable community to the Jewish community. They were marginalized, if you were a Samaritan, and I don't even know what the right word is today. Half-breed sounds like an awful word, but that's kind of what they were looked at as being less than. Um, here in Canada, We do it, we don't like to talk about it, but we sometimes push people away because they're not from us or of us, and that's not good. This was, if you want to use the word racism in action, if you were identified as a Samaritan, you were thought to be less than the mainstream. Now, people, regardless of their identity, get sick. And people, regardless of their uh, stature, need help. They were marginalized people, the Samaritans. They get sick. They need help. Jesus did not discriminate. In fact, he went to everybody. And you need to be mindful of that. The goodness and the grace of God is not just for one group. It's for all people. God so loved the world, not just these good-looking parts of the world. Not just this smart parts of the world. Not just this wealthy parts of the world. God loves all people. But he's aware of the fact that not all people are the same. One of these people that was different than the rest, a Samaritan, who in the history of the day we would call marginalized, comes back to him. And Jesus acknowledges it. He acknowledges it. And I want to pull the minor chord out here that in life, the people that are often most appreciative for your service that are most responsive to your ministry, that are most affectionate for what you do, are not the up-and-outers, but the down-and-outers. And often we keep trying to climb the social calendar to see who much higher we can go, when the truth is the heart of God doesn't look up, it looks down, and finds those that need help the most, and is quick to provide it. I work in a housing community. I mentioned it earlier. The people I work with are seniors. Seniors today are marginalized. And I'm not being pitiful here. I'm being realistic. When you get old, you lose your power. Sorry. I'm joining you. I'm there. It's not that people don't respect you. They ignore you. It's not that people are deaf. They just don't listen to you. You're a senior. There's a patronizing, yeah, you're nice, but thanks anyway, kind of thing. Um, not only that, you actually lose your ability to be powerful. Um, I'm looking at the seniors. room. Boy, when we were 45, we could put up a fight. <laughs> now we're getting older, we say, yeah, I'm not fighting about that. We're just nearly as, as powerful as we once were. And not only do I work as seniors, I work with low-income seniors, people making... Twenty-two, twenty-four, twenty-six thousand dollars $26,000 a year. You are not loud and vociferous if you're worried about paying your rent and buying your groceries. You may be hurt. You may be angry. And what I have found in the work that I do um, is so satisfying because the people I do it with are so appreciative of it. I don't deal with entitled people. I don't deal with demanding people. I don't deal with people that are highly aggressive. I deal with people that are surprisingly appreciative. And so here's where I'm going with this one. When you are feeling bad in life, and here's the challenge I'm going to leave you with, the closing challenge. When you are feeling bad in life, find somebody in worse shape than you and serve them. I think you'll be surprised by the response you get. The story here is about serving everybody, but look at the response of one of them. And the minor chord I leave with you today is, when you are feeling bad in life, find somebody in worse shape and go and serve them and be prepared to be surprised by their response to you. I think you've got a shot at being appreciated. Let's go full circle and draw the theological finish line to it all. Nobody likes to be unappreciated. Ah, Maybe you don't do it for the appreciation, but nobody likes to be ignored. Nobody likes to be dismissed or devalued. People actually appreciate you appreciating them. I would suggest to you that there's a side of God that is that way. That what he does, he didn't just do it and ignore it and say, yeah, whatever. He actually stands watching us in his creation saying, what do you think? Whew. The angels stand by and oh, this is amazing. But he's looking at his creation saying, what do you think? And when you say thank you to God, not only are you being polite, not only are you being gratu- uh, gratitude, you're being a blessing to God. When was the last time you said thank you? Let's pray. Father, we came together today to hear from you in a very simple way about your heart. And we understand of your goodness and your kindness and how you're good to us. And Lord, we don't want to miss out on any of that. We express our, we say thank you. We thank you for health. We thank you for healing. We thank you for the people of God here that are our spiritual family. We thank you for salvation that Jesus died on the cross for us. We thank you for freedom that we have in Canada to not be afraid when we come to worship that we will be arrested or or attacked. We thank you for uh, food on the table, for a warm house to be part of. We thank you for all your blessings. Lord, you are the source of them all. And help us to be grateful and express our gratitude in a way in which honors you and delights you. We love you, and we love to be your children.